Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Mark Treichel with another episode with Flying Colors. I've got one of my team members here today, Vin Veaton, a commercial lending guru of sorts. Vin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mark, and it's still raining. It's still raining. Yeah, Vin is in New Hampshire, and it's the Northeast has been hit hard uh, with rain this year, and I feel for you. But then again, you are in the Granite State, and it's beautiful there, so I know you're also... When it, when the sun does come up and I know you're, I know you're having some fun. It's a great place um, to be. I'm not complaining. Yeah. Vin is, I've had several podcasts with Vin previously. I've had those. I've actually issued some of those as what I call summer select episodes. This is a new recording on July 27th. And we're going to talk about credit union, commercial loans and workouts. And then we're going to pivot into the new guidance that came out from the FIE. It's the FFIEC that issued this, I think, right? The, the, I know that's, that's a, there's a lot of guidance there, a lot of pages. I thought it would be good when that came out for you and I to just get on and, and chat about this. But Vin, I'm going to tweet. So if you haven't heard Vin before, Vin was at NCUA for roughly 10, 11 years, and he was a, a the key author in the, the last version of NCUA's commercial loan rule. He also worked at banks as a commercial lender before that, and then also worked at companies that had to go out and get commercial loans. So you've got the, you've got every leg of the stool of support under, under the commercial loan umbrella. You've had to get loans, you've had to approve loans, and you've had to regulate loans. So you have a very unique perspective that, that we're going to tap into here, Vin. Did I forget anything about your illustrious career or did I? Well, I think you covered that, that covers it pretty well, Mark. And I got to admit, I enjoyed every part of it because dealing, you know, at those three different angles gives you a better perspective of what you're doing, whatever job you're doing at the time. So it was a great experience. I can't say that it was planned, but it just happened. It happened in a good way. I was able to take the actual banking experience, lending experience. And then actual borrowing experience to NCOA and was able to hopefully apply it correctly to any of the guidance or regulations that I was involved with. You got it. You got it. So that's, that's great. A lot of interesting things have gone on in the banking world. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. A couple other banks collapsed. The credit union run, or bank runs are happening out there tied to that. And that's got liquidity and net economic value borrowings very hypersensitive at NCUA and at the banking regulators. But there's also a lot of angst about, is there going to be a recession? And there's also a lot of angst about what's going to happen in the commercial loan arena. There's a lot of people. And when there's commercial loan is one big word with a lot of different types of loans, uh, but the big commercial loans for office buildings, I think is what has people most worried. And I'm thinking that is why the FIEC thought it was time to come out with this guidance. But before we get into that, Vin, why don't you talk a little bit about the credit union side of doing workouts for your members sure. on commercial loans? 
Yeah, sure, Mark. Yeah, I do. I think at first we're, things are still not bad, which is the good news. However, I think from all of our experiences, there's definitely signs that it could start to turn a little worse. And this is a good time to review uh, your overall procedures and process, especially your borrower contacts, your member contacts, making sure files are up to date and that when you're collecting financial information, you're being, you're always thorough, but it may be a little more thorough to be comfortable that there isn't any deterioration. And if there is, of course, the earlier you find that, uh, the better for everybody, because then you can take some action and help the borrower through it. But that's an interesting end of the lending business because it's really the same for banks and for credit unions as commercial lending. But I think what sets credit unions apart is their mission. Their mission is to provide the best service they can to their membership and looking out for the membership members' interest as much as the institution's in interest, the in institution being the credit union. So I always looked at it as anybody in the collection department are really the ones that have the impact on the member base. So it's something that should be done in a very respectful but firm, a firm way. It's, it's very challenging obviously, because you've got a borrower who's experiencing some trouble, but it's also very rewarding if you've done your job right and you've helped that borrower make the right decision. And we can talk about what those decisions are a little bit later. By, by being thorough, what does that mean? And actually the guidance we're going to talk about later does a real good job on explaining all of that, but it's fully understanding what's happening to the borrower. So that's understanding their financial condition. That's understanding their financial capacity and ability. And that's also understanding what's happening in their business, in their industry or marketplace that is causing the problems. So if you're thorough, which you, you're, you fully understand all those pieces, now you can take the time and you can coach. And these borrowers tend to, borrowers who are experiencing difficulty have a lot coming at them. And that's your job then, I think, as a professional to take the time and coach them through it. I always found the best thing you could do is explain your financial analysis to the borrowers, tell them what you saw and where you see that some of their pro the problems are. And then ask them to come up with a plan. And often, often, let me go back. Often lenders tend to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And ultimately you probably are going to, the lender is going to be a big influence on whatever the final plan is. But first give the borrower an opportunity to understand what their situation is and then ask them to come up with a plan. What it does is forces them to sit down. It's just like asking for a projection on a regular loan request. They have to think their business through. And it, they, you'll find out some of them will come back to you and say, boy, I didn't realize this or that. And uh, I took a moment and, and spent a little time and I, I see what you mean. And that's always good. And then hopefully they can develop a plan that they know they can meet 
and it's acceptable for the lender. And along those lines, you, you, what's your plan? You comparing that to an exam, an NCA examiner goes in and there's, let's say there's a regulatory issue in some type or earnings challenges or liquidity. It really comes down to the credit union board and management to come up with what their plan is. And if you can have that dialogue, uh, hey, you could do a little bit of improvement here, a little bit of improvement here. What are your strategies for that? And then have a dialogue about it. But the credit union has to own it, right? It can't be, now NCOA can make some sort of mandate and have a document resolution or something on it. And the same thing when you're lending money to the member is you could say, hey, we're going we're gonna to have to cut you off or we're going to have to foreclose. We're going to have to do all these things. But if there's owner, the owner owns the business. And if there's ownership of what the solution is and you get them to think about it, you're just going to get to a better place. And often 99 times out of a hundred with a little bit of discussion, they're going to be able to get there. And because it was their idea and their plan, that's good for them. And that can be good for the credit union. Exactly. And this is an emotional time for the borrower. They're obviously stressed. They're experiencing problems with their business. They don't know if their business is going to make it. And if the lender's providing the solution, the way the lender wants it, they're going to say yes to it and probably not, maybe not be able to meet it. If they do outline the plan, it's their plan. They understand it. And the lender as a professional should also be able to understand it. And then the other thing I want to say is you've got the, and then there's the hard part. Sometimes because like I just met, mentioned that they're emotionally involved, they can't sometimes make the decision that's probably the right decision, which may be to end the business. And well-trained, empathetic workout officer can maybe help them through that process. And I always found generally by this, by that point, there's a lawyer involved and spend some time with the lawyer to the borrower's lawyer to help them understand what you're seeing. And they can sometimes help their borrower make the right decision. And then the only other comment is, hopefully it does not get too bad, but sometimes I've been through a few of these real estate crises and the borrowers are in trouble. And so was the financing, the financial institution. So both looking at ways to have their business survive. And one thing they do generally is reduce payroll. And sure. although that's probably something you need to do, be careful when you do that because work, workout's funny. You can measure profitability operating a good account, but if there's a loss involved, which there tends to be and can be with workouts, you can't measure the impact of the individual. But if you've got the right people there, chances are their salaries will be offset with what they were able to recover had they not been there. So it's just something to think about. I'm not sure saying that you should staff up, but consider the impact of not paying attention to these accounts because you definitely, once an account is in trouble, you need to spend more time with it. So generally the portfolios are dollar-wise are a little smaller for workout offices than they are for the business development people. When you talked about coaching, you talked about attorneys being involved. And I go back to something I just said. I was probably a little over-optimistic. I said, comparing it to being able to come up with a solution, 90 99 times out of the 100, you can figure it out. 
which is probably right if your lens is figuring it out means what should you do? Should you scale back? Should you close the business? Should you sell or yeah. should you continue? And here's how you continue. So it really, there's different ways to succeed. And then, and that kind of gets into that cutting back on salaries, cutting back on outflows while you're trying to get through all this. And all those things probably play into it. Oh, they do it. I, personally, I was involved with a bank and they had a large real estate portfolio during one of the real estate crashes in New Hampshire. And remember, I had a portfolio, a mixed portfolio, small CNI, medium-sized CNI and commercial real estate. But of the 200 accounts that I had, 54 of them were in trouble. And I had to do a report on each one every month, which I just spent all my time writing reports and not chasing money. So I guess that's my point. Be careful. I had one and I had one borrower who had 26 loans. And the reason I know that is because I used every letter of the alphabet to. Oh, he, he had a loan Z, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Z. And I always felt pretty good when I left that bank. I think I had it down to T. So I cleaned up a little bit. Of nice. Money. Nice. But the point is review your staffing and make, make sure you've got the right staffing there and the right workloads so that the focus can be on helping the borrower and also, which will then also help the credit union realize the most out of the situation. Got it. Got it. Are we at any more thoughts on credit unions specifically, or are we at a good time to pivot to the guidance that's out there? Yeah, I think we can pivot to the guidance. It's just simply make sure you do the right balancing act between men member service and, and the health of the credit union. And that's, that's easier said than done, but it keeps you busy. Anyway, this guidance that just came out and it was, I think it was released June 27th or sometime around then it's called the policy statement on prudent commercial real estate loaned accommodations and workouts. And it's replacing the commercial real estate workout guidance that was issued in 2009. And I, I was involved with writing guidance and I recognize a lot of the names from the other agencies on that all good people and all worked hard. But as I was reading through the guidance, I realized, boy, this was really done well. They, I think they, and knowing the people that were involved, this, that's the way they think. So they did a really good job to, to clarify all those fuzzy, confusing things like accounting and what's expected and laid it out, I think in a very good, straightforward way. And in fact, so good that I would recommend to the credit union out there, spend some time with this guidance, spend some time read through it, understand it, and then review your own policies and, and bring your policies up to date to match this guidance. You, it's always great when you read something to say, yeah, that's right. That's what we should be doing. I, I don't think that with the proposed guidance that went out, it appears there was only 26 comments and most of them were in support of the guidance that was written. So they made very little changes to it. So I think it's very good guidance make sure again like i said the policies up to date but also make sure that your staff understands what the guidance says and and how it fits into your credit culture and the expectations but it's definitely a good how-to book on how to do that and it also 
does a good job of explaining what the examiner's authority is when they're out reviewing these credits. Again, to give you better perspective on how the examiner is going to be taking a look at these loans. So what changed from the previous guidance? They added really three things and then just updated the rest. The first thing, short-term loan accommodations. So I guess that's not considered a workout and it just tweaking it. And I take that to mean adjusting a payment, maybe interest only for a while, skipping a payment, uh, but short-term and that the borrower is going through some temporary problem or situation and they should be back on track and through regular operations will eventually be able to meet their contract terms of the promissory note. So that, that was good. And it also explains how to treat the grading of those loans. The other, they also updated the guidance to include CECL. So that's part of this too, and it's part of an appendix. And, but what I really liked about this guidance is they included pages and pages of examples. So now that explain how the loan should have been graded and also the accounting treatment for non, when it should be considered non-accrual and or not. And that, and I know when I was out in credit unions, that's certainly the area. It was hard to sometimes support what you were saying, even though you knew you were right. This guidance does a very good job of trying to clarify that for the credit unions and also and also for the examiners. That's so, great. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Then the other appendix, they list things, one being the, the examples of situation. There's also a list of resources. One of the, one of the resources that's very good that NCUA has not always been part of is the use of the adverse classification, substandard, doubtful, and loss. And you'll see in the footnotes in this guidance that the NCUA doesn't subscribe to that, those classifications. However, I'll say this as someone who was involved with writing the guidance a few years back, they will accept that. And I think that's probably the best way you can classify adverse loans is to use those regulatory classifications. And the good news with that is there's a lot of guidance out there, especially the OC has their handbook on rating credit risk support that supports using these, these classifications. I don't think you'll find any examiner that would have a problem with that. It also, the guidance also talks about evaluation concepts for income producing real estate, talks about discount rates and cap rates, but also explains what the examiner's authorities are with appraisals. They can't change the value, but they can point out maybe concerns with those appraisals. And, and then again, another area it covers global cash flow. I think, I think we've all probably tired of hearing about global cash flow, but what this guidance does, and I thought it was interesting when I was reading through it, because I, when I first read it, I said, oh, great, they're going to finally put in writing what, how to do a global cash flow. It doesn't do that. 
And I think what that does is confirm that global cash flow is more of an art than a science because each situation is different. Each guarantor is structured differently. So there's no firm way of doing it. Again, it has to be built into the credit culture of the credit union to set the expectations they want from the analysis done on global cash flow. What it essentially does say though, global cash flow should help you determine that guarantors, and it refers to guarantors and also sponsors, ability to meet debt service of for themselves and for the entities they're involved with. That's, I think that there's an important philosophy in this guidance around the, the global cash flow discussion. So it reaffirms the need for global cash flow, which I think was something that you put into the regulation or you proposed going to the regulation that NCUA has because, because it was lacking in that area. But it also provides the flexibility. It's like NCUA defining what safe and sound is. The lender can decide based on the fact pattern what is global cash flow because it could right. be different for different types of loans, different types of borrowers, or different types of workouts. Exactly. And it's, it's very important. And I always like to do it a little bit freeform because when I had lenders working for me, I could figure out how they pulled that guarantors. And it's really what global cash flow really is, is summarizing or bringing together. Usually I say, I should say, usually the guarantors, other businesses and how does it, how does it impact? the borrower. And then of course there's different ways you can structure loans so that you can control the funds. So the borrower is not taking the money from your loan and giving it to one of the, one of their other businesses. And that's a whole other discussion. But like I said, this guidance was very good at bringing up that global debt service coverage is very important. And, you know, so credit union should spend some time making sure they're properly identifying the overall financial capacity of the guarantor and then that impact on the borrower. Got it. Got it. Anything about when we're entering situations where let's say commercial real estate, let's say there's something that's not necessarily valued the way it was when you granted the loan, you granted the loan at its peak and now it's an office building and you have less occupancy, but you have good global cash flow and you have the ability to keep the loan current. How might that work as far as how you would classify that assets? Any thoughts on that? Is there anything in this guidance that would point to how to deal with that? I think you, when you're, when it, whenever you're classifying the loan, you have to classify what you're really classifying is the primary repayment source. So I, I think the borrower is the one who's going to have the most impact on that classification. But I always felt global cash flow. And now we're in a workout situation. We're talking about what, when you look at it, when you're making a loan, it really shouldn't be used to make a bad loan good, but it could identify influences that could make a good loan bad. So I don't always look at it as the guarantor strength. Uh, You look at it, of course, it's good to have a good, strong guarantor, but 
look at it more. Is there anything in the bar or the guarantors, the principal's operations that could in, impact your loan? Vin, you almost sounded like, what, a good loan go bad or a bad loan? But what was that you just said? I, it sounded like a country. It sounded like a country western song you were right in the middle of it. I think I've said it before. I tend to be a broken record, so that's, not that's country okay. Western. Yeah, like most country country western music, it sounds like a broken record. Speaking so. of that, I'm a, you know what happens if you play a country? We're going to date ourselves. If you play a country back country western song record backwards, what's that? You get your truck back, you get your job back, and you get your, <laughs> your girl back. All right. Well, <laughs> but I digress. Yes. But I, I just, I, I really want to stress, this is very good guidance. There's just so much in it. It's hard to go through each piece, but it's very good at giving direction on how you should be treating borrowers who are starting to experience difficulties. You got it. Yeah. And, early and, on you said and, and my two cents this is, it's worth the investment to make sure you've got, you've properly staffed when uh, there's a real tough economy and a large portion of the portfolio is struggling. So properly staffed with experienced people. Got it. Got it. So read the guidance, reread the guidance, compare the guidance to your policy and make sure that you have the proper staffing level, particularly if you think you might need a little bit more labor-intensive, hands-on, loving care for your some of your commercial credits that are coming well, up. You do. You absolutely are going to... I mentioned I had 54 criticized loans. Some of them were just little small loans. But I probably spent 90% of my time with three or four of those accounts, uh, which meant I was not addressing those others. So the point, the, the, again, the point is make sure you're properly staffed and assigned based on experience and severity. It's kind of like your stat, like when you're a supervisor, you, your superstars, you just let them go and you yeah. give them guidance and give them support. And you're the people on the other end of the bell curve, you coach and counsel and help them work it out. Yeah. And also it's good to sometimes change the, who's handling the account. Sure. Those who take the loans have a vested interest in the loan and may not be as quick to recognize issues that need to be recognized quickly and dealt with quickly. Don't you it. just gave me an opportunity to use the one reference I use frequently on the show, the wisdom of crowds. Get another person's perspective. Exactly. Exactly. And Very that's good. a great idea. Have a have meeting to discuss the yep. situations because I've always found credit committee to be a great place to learn. Even when I was presenting, because somebody in that room had experience, had an experience different than mine and could make a good suggestion on how to make the loan even better. Obviously that's also helpful, more helpful in a workout situation. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So it's good. This yeah, you give, you're given this guidance an A or an A plus, so that's going to create Good guidance that the all the banking regulators can utilize, the credit unions and banks can utilize, hopefully leading to some consistency and how it's applied across the country so that they can balance quality, prudent lending practices with being reasonable with the borrowers. Yep. Something else I think bouncing around here, Mark, and I'm sorry, but one, one thing I remember when I was helping write some of this interagency guidance that it often be a reference 
to other guidance that was written by the other agencies before NCOA really be, began participating in commercial loan guidance. And so we'd always have to put a footnote saying, but we believe in this and this. I think I want to say, if you see in there references to other guidance, look at it, number one. Second, even if NCUA hasn't signed on to it, it's still good guidance and it can be very helpful in you setting policy. And again, I doubt any examiner would have a problem if you could provide the source of whatever's in your guidance. Sure. Um, that was part of the FIVC library. Now, that so, makes sense. Vin, is there any questions I should have asked you about this that I didn't before we wrap up for the day? No, I think we covered a lot. And again, I wish we, if we were to, it would take, this guidance is so well done. It really should be a training session and laid out over the course of at least a day to review what it says and what the expectations are. Maybe we'll have to think about, about how we might be able to do that, whether it's a webinar or we yep. break it down into think about how this guidance is laid out by different topics. And maybe that's what we need to do. That's a topic sure. for breaking it down in a future podcast, Ben. Yeah, I think that would be good. Yeah. Then you can spend some time with it. Otherwise you just pick it. We're just cherry picking it and it's. Yeah. We can't read the 9,000 pages here today. No, but. Pay attention to the appendixes and each section. There's good lists in there of, of things you should do in different situations and, and loan workout and that sort of thing. And like I said, I'll just say that again, but it is just really well written. And, and it's so well written that anybody reading it is going to say, yeah, that makes sense. They're not going to say, oh, I'm not going to do that. No, that makes sense. Yep. That makes sense. Nice. So probably like the rule when we changed the rules, most it was really, the comments were all pretty much supportive because it's just basic commercial lending and this is workout and it's just organizes it all to help you build your policy and structure your culture. Sure. Sure. Culture. No, that's great. And I want to thank you for your time today. And I think we got, we got some assignments for uh, some, some more, more deep dive on this, on this okay. topic down the road. Thanks so much. Ben. Sure. Thanks, Mark. You got it. And listeners, I want to thank you for listening. This is Mark Treichel signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktreichel.com.